Father, we thank you for your grace. We, we thank you that as you've revealed yourself to us and in your truth, we recognize, Lord, that we, we are undeserving of you. We're undeserving of, of your mercy and your grace. We have, we're undeserving of heaven, Lord, by the, the lives that we live and the rebellion that we've lived in and the, the way that we have, have routinely rebelled against you and shamed you and, and sinned against you. And yet, Lord, you loved us and, and you, you, you sent your son to die for us, to, to, to give us the righteousness that we could never earn, to, Lord, to, that, that, that your son would, would, would pay the price of, of, of sin and hell and death for us so that, Lord, that we could have the guarantee of eternal life now and forever in heaven. And we recognize, Lord, that this is not because of our merit, but because of your grace. And so we, as we study the, the subject of, of, of heaven in the next couple of weeks, we pray that we would do so in a way that it would, we would exalt and, and rejoice in your goodness and your grace and your glory as we think about these things. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we've been talking about the doctrine of the last things as we've been covering so far the, the recently in class. The fancy theological name for that is eschatology. We started looking recently at the final judgment that one of the most emphasized doctrines in the New Testament is that we will all face a final judgment before God. And then as a result of that final judgment, that there's one of two final states that the Bible uh, describes, that there is the final state of the wicked, which we are often referred to as hell, which we covered over the last couple weeks. And today we're going to talk about the final state of the righteous, not not righteous in ourselves, but, be, but having being credited right, the righteousness of God, a righteousness from outside of ourselves, an alien righteous, righteousness, and that is the place of, of heaven. You know, it's interesting, as we think about this subject, uh, Amanda and I, over the last couple of years, well, I, I should say I more, but I, I roped Amanda in, uh, I was fascinated by a, a TV show that was running on one of the, the networks, and it's called The Good Place. And it, it's a... It's fairly funny. I think there's aspects of it that are, that, are, that, are, that are funny. But I found it just intriguing for me because it, the, sh- the premise of the show, it's about people who are supposed to go to the bad place and, s- and they find out that they accidentally got put into the good place, right? They're supposed to... No, they, no they're spo- they, they deserve to go in the bad place. But they think they're in the good place. I, I know. But, but, they, but they, the, the premise of the show is that they... They think there's a mistake. They got put in the good place instead. And, and here's why I found it fascinating. It was like I get to sit in on this conversation that our culture has of what our culture thinks about morality and death and ethics and the afterlife. And, and it's almost like I just get to sit in and watch kind of our culture and, and especially the, our sexual culture, secular culture try to wrestle with these issues. And I think it's fascinating because sometimes I just don't get frank conversations like that, right? Um, especially, oh, you know, a Christian, so I try, it's all couched because knowing that, that I'm a Christian, but really just blatant, honest, kind of philosophical wrestling with these issues. And I, I think it's really an interesting window. Now, I'm going to give a couple spoiler alerts. I'm sorry if you were really wanting to watch this show. Um, they actually find out, and this is what Amanda is trying to correct me, that, that actually this whole thing was they really actually were in the bad place. They were actually in hell. That was, they were pretending it's the good place, and that's part of the, the whole thing. But it brought up these moral dilemmas in this show of like, how good is good enough? Right? They kept wrestling with that. Well, yeah, I wasn't good enough, but that person, well, that person wasn't good enough either, but they're better than me. But how could... 
there's that, that wrestle, that wrestling, right? That if there is a, a place of heaven, how good is good enough? How good do you have to be to be in the good place? Why this person and not that person? And maybe most importantly, whose standard defines good? I mean, I think that was one of the, the, the most difficult aspects of wrestling in this show. And, and so I, I, was, I was fascinated. I was just fascinated by just the, 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 the philosophical wrestling in the show. And then, um, and, and then when we watched the, the series finale, I was just I was a little disturbed, first of all, but then I was really intrigued of what, of how this thing ended up, because at the end, again, spoiler alert, the ending of the show is all the, the main characters actually end up in the good place. They end up in this idea of heaven, and heaven is this place of just utter self-fulfillment, right? So what is it that our, our culture, our society thinks about heaven? Well, heaven is the place where yeah. all your dreams come true, yeah. right? Heaven is the place where it's utter Whatever your wishes are, whatever your dreams are, whoever you want to be, whatever you want to do, that's what you get to do for eternity. Disneyland without the rights, without the rights, without the lines, right? But even more than that, it's 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 more than just an experience, right? It's that that it 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 is a the aspect of I am utterly self fulfilled with everything that that I want to be and do. And and the show, which actually was interestingly insightful, portrayed this as a disaster. The, the aspect of that, that if that's what heaven is, for a while, it's great. But if that's all it is for eternity, if eternity is just a place that's just focused on you and your fulfillment and your joys, and you can just do all the things that you want to do, eventually, it's just empty. It's just meaningless. John Piper calls it this, when, when, when heaven is full of mirrors, it's really not going to be satisfying when it's all about you and fulfilling you. And it was, I was just, it was a fascinating evaluation of the self-delusion and the emptiness and and really the cultural worldview that we live in. And and more importantly, the the cultural understanding of heaven. And, And I think that it's important when we understand that to contrast that with the biblical conception of heaven. That's where I'm going with this here. See, the biblical conception of heaven is not about us, right? It is not a heaven full of mirrors. Heaven is not a heaven made in our image. But the reason that there's something in us that longs for heaven is we long for something that, is, that, is, that, that, that we behold something so much greater than us. Right, that we were behold, we were created to behold glory. We are created in the image of God. We are created to meant to have fellowship with God, not not to be satisfied by the emptiness of our own egos, but to behold the glory of God. Heaven is about God. Heaven is about being with God, about enjoying enjoying the glory of God in this new creation work, and that's what makes heaven heaven, and that's what makes the eternality of heaven not something to be feared or or or, or that, but but really that 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 is what's going to give eternality fullness of joy you know it's interesting on, on that show they they ended up the only way that they could figure out the problem is they kind of committed eternal suicide they said the only way to make heaven heaven is that we eventually just basically blink people out of existence because that's actually better than having to spend eternity in this empty self-delusion of self-worship i mean 
you see that there's kernels of image of God there, right? There's kernels of, of, of recognizing something about the truth and yet missing that, that because when you, when you remove God from the picture, when you try to create the worldview without God, when you try to create heaven without God, then, then it is. It's a, it's a vain exercise. So that's what we're going to look at next couple weeks. This week, we're going to start with just a foundation. I want to start with a good foundation to, to build on. There's a bunch of questions that we could ask about heaven and think about heaven, and we're going to get to some of those next week and some of the details and really look at some of the theological aspects as we look at this aspect and this aspect. But I want to start with mainly two biblical foundational kind of just, just um, supports, right? Foundations uh, as we look at, at the, the, uh, of, of heaven this morning. So uh, let's look at a couple things here. First of all, let's look at the term heaven. So there's many terms that the Bible uses to talk about heaven. It's not always just the word heaven, but that word heaven is the one that's most commonly used. But we have to think about, first of all, that that word heaven is actually used in mainly three different ways in the Bible. Um, The first way that heaven is used, it's a cosmological reference, cosmological talking about uh, the universe, right? Um, so that the Shemaim is the, the Hebrew term, uh, Uranos is the, the Greek term, and we see that that is partly, sometimes it's used as a cosmological reference. So uh, Genesis 1.1, God created the heavens and the earth. That's talking about um, not, not what, often what we think about as the place of heaven, but really it's talking about the universe. God created the whole universe, um, uh, Matthew 5.18, Jesus talks about heaven and earth will not pass away, you know, uh, um, and so that's talking again, universe. Uh, Luke 4.25, heaven is the place where rain originates. Matthew 24.29, heaven is the place where the stars are set. Matthew 6.26, heaven's the, the area where the birds fly. Uh, Luke 17.24, heaven is where lightning comes from. It, it's, heaven is, is more of a, a spatial aspect to refer to. There's earth and then there's heavens as far as cosmologically, right? Um, uh, heaven also, this we'll, we'll look at a couple things. Heaven is also used as a synonym for God, right? Um, so let's go over these quick, just to spend time on some other things. So Luke 15, parable of the prodigal son. The, the son says, I've sinned against heaven and against you, right? Heaven there is used not that, 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 that he's, he, it's really is a stand-in for God, right? I've sinned against heaven, which means I've sinned against God. Um, Matthew 21, Jesus asked John's baptism, is it from heaven or from man, right? Well, what's Jesus asking? He's saying, is, is John's baptism of God or of, of man, right? So he's, that's, that's there. Also use a lot of that, that, and Matthew uses that term kingdom of heaven parallels. We see Luke, uh, translate the, or, um, give us the similar phrase as kingdom of God. So we see this, this aspect of the synonym really for, for God which is really where we start to get the idea here of where we're starting to understand heaven is, is being described is, is not primarily first as the idea of the place where we're going to go be after we die, but the place that is the description of the abode or the residence of God. That, that's really um, where the, the term where we tend to think about, which is that third use. So let's look at uh, Matthew here. So turn to Matthew chapter 6. Quick question. Yeah. In the New Testament, are all three of these the same Greek word? Yeah, yeah. So it's all the same word, um, same word used in different contexts. Yeah. So all three of them are going to use. Sometimes you'll see them translated. If your translation might translate them a little differently, um, 
most, like if you have an NASB or an ESV, they'll usually just keep it heaven or heavens. Um, but um, but it might, some might. I, I noticed the ESV every once in a while um, just, just went with the context on that. And so it's, but it, it, it is, it's the same word. Again, words have, words never have, almost never have just one meaning, right? So when we think about all the uses here, there's three main uses of this idea of heaven, which is the, uh, you know, whether you, it's a Shemaim or Uranus, you know, we think about these, and I would say that, you know, predominantly we're going to see a lot of this third one, which actually kind of overlaps with that second one. Well, why is heaven a synonym for God himself? Because we're going to see that heaven is also being described as the place where, where, where God dwells, right? And so where God is, in, in a way. So um, Matthew 6, 9 Right, so we know the Lord's Prayer that we talk about our Father who is in heaven. Right, we see this throughout Matthew. Matthew is this is a, an emphasis for him. Uh, Matthew uh, uh, Matthew five sixteen five forty five six one seven eleven eighteen fourteen it talks about your Father in heaven. Uh, Matthew seven twenty one ten thirty two twelve fifty sixteen seventeen eighteen ten and eighteen nineteen. My Father in heaven. And then throughout, talks about the heavenly father, right? Throughout Matthew. So this idea of that the place where God is, is this place of heaven. Um, we see that not only the father in heaven, but we see that Jesus in John, turn over to John 3. John chapter 3, verse 13 um, Jesus says, no one has ascended into heaven except he who is descended from heaven. Who is that? That is the Son of Man. Jesus' title for, for himself. He's appropriated from, from Daniel. Um, and we see that also in John 3.31, John 6.51, that Jesus, he says that he was in heaven. He has come from heaven. Right? That Jesus was not a created being. That Jesus was eternally preexistent. And he came down to reveal um, himself from heaven. We also see that angels are said to have come from heaven. We won't look up those as much, but uh, Matthew 28, the resurrection, it talks about an angel who has descended from heaven. Uh, we see that angels also return to heaven. They dwell in heaven. Uh, heaven is the place where angels behold, behold God. They carry out God's will. Um, and, and, so, so, and, and so when we talk about that, that believers, those who have, have been saved in Christ, they go to heaven, that's actually kind of a secondary usage, right? The emphasis on the Bible on heaven is not where we're going to be, but where God is. That's an important distinction, right? That's an important distinction there because heaven is not defined by where we're going to be. Heaven is defined of, of where God is and where we get to be is where God is. You see the it sounds, there's a lot of overlap there, but there's an important focus. The focus is not on us and where we're going to be. The focus on is that we get to be where God is, right? <laughs> so, so the very term heaven is not about our bliss or our self-fulfillment or our experience. Heaven is primarily in this usage about God's presence, right? It, it, it focuses on the presence of God. That's what we're going to look at more at Revelation 21 later and next week. But that's that aspect of when we talk about this picture of the new heavens, new earth, it's the place of where God is dwelling with his people, 
right? And, and in fact, we don't see a lot of actual, we, we, in Christian talk, we talk about they've died and they've gone to heaven. And I, I think it's all biblical and it's all true, but that's not the way the Bible talks, right? The Bible actually, you, you just don't, and I didn't look at this up, I can't think. I can't think of anywhere, and you guys could correct me, talking about they've died and they've gone to heaven. I just, I just can't think of anything, at least off the top of my head. But what does it mean? They've died and they've gone to be with the Lord. And where is the Lord? The Lord is in heaven. But heaven is not defined by just some place where I get to go be or I get to go experience bliss. Heaven is defined by the presence of God, which means that the idea of eternal bliss, the idea of eternal satisfaction is not found in any idea that's outside of the presence of God. God is what makes heaven, heaven. The focus of the new heavens and new earth, as we're going to talk about later, is that it's the dwelling place of God with his people. And, and so um, one of those times that talks about where we're going to be, and, and turn to 1 Thessalonians real quick. First Thessalonians chapter 1. And I just, maybe it's me, I find this interesting in just the way Paul's using some terminology here. But if you look at chapter 1, verse 10, it's to talk about uh, us waiting for the Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. So our position right now is we are waiting for Jesus to come back from heaven. You know, this idea of, he's said in John, he's preparing a place for us. What does that mean? He doesn't really elaborate, right? What does it mean that Jesus is preparing a place for us? We can try to say, put that together with some other ideas. We know that, we don't exactly know what that activity consists of, but we know that he's preparing, preparing it for us. But as, as we were waiting, turn over a couple chapters in the context, First Thessalonians 4, and look at 16 and 17. It says for the, uh, it's talking about this return of Christ, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven, so Jesus coming back from heaven, with the cry of a command and the voice of the archangel and the sound of the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive who are left will be caught up together in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And we will always be in heaven. No, right? It, again, it's not that we're not going to be in heaven, but that's not the em- that, it's just I just find it interesting that that's not what Paul's emphasis is, right? That, that I think from the context, we see that, that we're going to go be What's, what is the, what is, what's important about where we're going to be? It's not the place. It's the person. And we will always be, what? With the Lord. You, you see that? Now, if we, if we put the context together, who's the Lord? Jesus, in, in, in Paul's language here. And where's Jesus going to be? He's going to be... In heaven, we, as, we see, as we see this connection, and, and ultimately as we put the revelation together, he's going to be in the new heavens and new earth. Um, but it's just interesting that, that the emphasis that, that, that is given for where we're going to be is not primarily on a place. Mm-hmm. It's on a person. There is a place. We're going to look at that. But the place is secondary to the person. You got, you got, that is the biblical emphasis, that heaven is first and foremost about a person, not a place. 
Now, I, I don't want to go so far, Millard Erickson and his theology kind of downplays the idea of place. I, I think that, that he's going too far with some of that evidence. That I think there's descriptions of heaven as a place. We're going to look at that. But, but it's, that's secondary. It's secondary to that the biblical focus is that heaven is about being with the person of God. That's what makes heaven heaven. Heaven is not a place full of mirrors. Heaven is not just about our experience or our bliss. It's really not about us at all. It's about that we have bliss as we experience something so much greater than us, fellowship with the God who created us. And uh, when uh, Jesus is telling his disciples disciples about the place I'm preparing for Mm -hmm. you, he also goes on to say, so that you can be where I am. Yes, yes. Not so that you can be in heaven, so that you can be where I am. Yeah, yeah. So this idea of, Heaven is not a place of, I just get some, I get somewhere I can just have my own room, right? He's building this house. He's just building this, he's just building this big house where we can all just have our own little rooms and we get our, our Xboxes and our TVs and our things and can just do our own little thing, right? It's, it's, um, but it's, because it, heaven is, 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 is primary. I think that there's going to be ex- experiences and even experiences not necessarily, you know, not necessarily all in fellowship, but there's an aspect of what makes heaven is not just that it's just not focused on me, right? It's focused on being with him where he is. Yeah. Well, I think I'm trying to like, in a way, like how would I explain this to Isaac and Gus? Like, we've been learning about, um, you know, kind of like the, the Disney, uh, learning about Walt Disney's mindset behind making Disneyland. Mm-hmm. Disneyland would be way more better to go hang out with Walt Disney in Disneyland. Oh, yeah. Because he created it, he's the person, and so wouldn't it be more yeah. exciting to be with, you know, God created heaven, the creator of the universe, that mm-hmm. you get to be in relationship, and I think it's it's mm. part of our finite minds. I think so. I think analogies break down. I think it's tough. Um, but I I think that more importantly, I think that it's the aspect of. I don't think it's wrong to say they're in heaven, right, or they've gone to heaven. I would just say that's just not how the Bible talks. But I think it's also hard for us to, to have that concept. Is our, we, we are completely born all about us. Yes. That's, that's the thing. Our finite minds and yeah. our sinful hearts are just not able to fully grasp. Yeah. And the more you get to know God, the more exciting it does become. And the deeper in relationship that you do, you know. Yeah. And, and I would say that, that we are the most, it's interesting, it talks about, you know, we're creating the image of God. And that image of God is still there, but it's, it's, it's broken in the sense that it's, it's corrupt and it's fallen. And then we're seeing that Christ is made in the new image of God and that we are now in Christ. So we are going to be, we're gonna talk, if we want to say we want to be the most fulfilled, we are the most fulfilled in us when we are beholding who God is in Christ, right? But I, I just think that maybe more importantly than that is I think that when we start to think of heaven as a place, it's not wrong, but I think it's when we start talking about it, it just go, seeps into our language that the way the Bible talks about heaven is that they've gone to be with the Lord. They're with the Lord. They're with the, and that, that is just the emphasis there. And I think that that, I say that's probably the, the easiest correction to make is that we just start to talk about heaven like the Bible talks about heaven. Yeah. 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 And I think, and I think that's, that's just, just thinking through that that's, that is the, the, the way the Bible just describes it. And that's what makes heaven heaven. So. One thing that show leaves out is that we'll also be fully sanctified. Yeah, that is true. There, yeah. yeah, we won't have that sinful nature that wants to be selfish. Yeah, yeah. that is what I, that was just one of the things. I'm just like, how are they going to deal with that? Because they just don't know yeah. what to do. 
because they don't they they just don't know what to do with that um, that aspect. And again, that's I, I was fascinated by many things of just the culture kind of wrestling with its own ideas and, and the, its own um, ways, its own worldview doesn't fit together. But yeah. Craig, by the way, it's on Netflix. Yeah, I think that's how we watched a lot of it, and so. It, yeah, it's it's uh, I just I just sometimes I would just go that is interesting, but anyways, yeah, so. Um, it just, it just, anyways, uh, but yeah, so, so that's my first point. Heaven is first and foremost, it's about a person, not a place. It's not to say it's not a place, but the emphasis on, is on the person. Uh, okay, let's keep moving. Let's talk about the nature of heaven. Um, and, and now there is a danger. You can think of, 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 right. You can, you can emphasize something so much. You can almost shift things out of balance. So it's possible to emphasize the idea of heaven is, is, is so much just about the person of God that we actually start to say that heaven isn't about a place at all. It's just this kind of, um, well, I'll, I'll quote um, Dr. Michael Vlach from Masters. And I, I first actually heard it from Dr. Russell Moore. Uh, it was teaching at Southern. But this idea of the spiritual vision, all that heaven is is just a spiritual vision of God. Right, it is a danger of thinking that because God is transcendent and God is spirit, then all we only then we only then think of heaven in transcendent and spiritual terms. That heaven is being with God, but heaven is, is beholding the glory of God as as God has revealed Himself and is and, and enjoying God in His presence, and also as we're going to see through His His creation. But th- there's a danger in this spiritual vision model, as, as Doctor Vlach would, would would call it. Is it Vlach or Vlach? No, okay. Um, but, uh, and, and that, the idea is this cartoon ver- vision of sitting on clouds with harps and wings, or heaven is just eternal choir practice. Um, and, and there might even be positive descriptions of this, but with this purely spiritual emphasis that heaven is all it is, is just this endless spiritual experience of, of worship. And it is. Worship is played out in a much more diverse way than we often think about it. Um, or heaven is just a state of beholding the beatific vision of God. It is, but there's, it's, as we see it's described, it's so much more nuanced than that. When it's only put in spiritual terms and said that and no more, it actually is a misconception of how, how we are behold and experience the glory of God. That we're going to see that the way that one of the ways that we do behold God and experience God is that is through His physical creation. In fact, um, the the theologians trace this idea of heaven really back to the influence of the philosopher Plato, who separated the physical from the non-physical. And Plato would say everything that is non-physical, everything that is spiritual, those are good things. And if you start to incorporate the physical ideas in those, those are the bad things. Spiritual good, physical bad. Um, and, and so that, that's, that's this idea of Plato later in the church's Gnosticism. But we're going to see that Scripture doesn't hold that way. Scripture looks in everything that God created and God said this is good. This is how God has revealed himself. So scripture then would describe what is it to be in this place, in this state with God. It is a place where God is fully revealed. 
Um, you know, I mean, just emphasis of Jesus saying in John 14, he goes to prepare a place. We see that Jesus now is in a place with his resurrected body, Acts 1.11. Elias talk, previously talked about some of this in the intermediate state. It's not just floating, you know, floating around, but there's, it talks about the, more the, the idea of a, of a place. But more important than the intermediate state is we're looking towards the future of the, the, the universe. The final picture of heaven, when the Bible describes the final picture of what eternity is, it's described as a place, the new heavens, the new earth. So that the best, when we think about heaven, the way that the Bible most thoroughly describes what eternity in heaven is going to be like is through this idea of the new creation, the, the new heavens, the new earth. Uh, turn to Second Peter chapter 3. Um, there's some context before that, talking about uh, that the, the current creation is going to be dissolved. Um, we're going to talk next week about the relation of the current creation to the new creation. We're going to uh, there's just there's more than I, I wanted to get into there this morning. But for now, look where our hope rests here in verse 13. What we're waiting for, but according to His promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. So, so Peter introduces the subject for us in thinking through this new heavens, new earth, new creation idea. Um, and, and, and then we see that fully flushed out in Revelation chapter 21-22. So I, I want to do an exercise here. And, and I, I think I footnoted Dr. Vlach's, um He has a Shepherd's Conference seminar that, that he did this really well. And, and he's got a couple of chapters and some books that he does this well. But I want you to put one, I want you to turn to Revelation chapter 21. As a picture of what eternity in heaven is going to be like. And then I want, to put you, I want you to keep either a bookmark or one finger there and another bookmark or another finger back in Genesis 1. So look at the end of the Bible. Look at the beginning of the Bible. Okay? And so as we start to see how is, the, how is Revelation describing what eternity in heaven, eternity in the new heavens and the new earth, eternity in this presence of God, what is it like what does John draw on to, to describe this as inspired by the Holy Spirit? We're going to see that what John is depicting is a new creation, is a new Eden, right? Um, so, Gen- so start Genesis 1, chapter, three, chapter 1, verse 3 says, um, oop, that's not what I wanted. Uh, yeah, so, um, so chapter 1, 1, oh, sorry, 1, 1. So 1, 1 and 1, 3 there, it says that God created the heavens and earth. Uh, chapter 2, verse 4, that God made the earth and the heavens. If you look over then chapter 21, Revelation 21, verse 5, it talks about that he is the one that's making or creating all things new. So we see God as creator in both. Um, we descri- see the descriptions in Genesis 1, 1, and then in Revelation 21, 1, this idea of this, that, that same all-encompassing term, heaven and earth, one one making uh, coming of heaven and earth new coming of heaven and earth and twenty one one in in Genesis one three we see the provision of light and God said let there be light so God's the one who created light and then in Revelation twenty two verse five we again see this provision of light but this time God is the one who in his, his own glory is the is is the light um, we see the, the 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 specification of a holy space. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 8, we see this, this, this uh, sanctified space of the Garden of Eden. 
And then in Revelation chapter 21, verse 2, we see the sanctified space of this new city of, new Jer- this new city of Jerusalem. In chapter 3, verse 8, we see that what makes the Garden of Eden is this description of, um, chapter 3, verse 8, of God. His, the presence of God is in the garden. He's walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Um, and then we see back in, Reve- then in Revelation 21, verse 3, we say, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and will be with his people. So that, 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 that this is the presence of God, the dwelling place of God with man. Uh, we see that this is a place of separation from death. Um, so Genesis two seventeen, it says, um, so from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you should not eat of it for the day. If you eat of it, you will surely die. So this is before death, the separation from death So, So, um, and then the same thing in revelation 21 verse four, um, you see, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Uh, we also see that, 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 that this new creation was before the curse. It was a separation from what happens with the curse, as we see the curse that happens in Genesis 3.17, and then in Revelation chapter 22, verse 3, you see no longer will there be anything accursed. By the way, in the, the, the uh, footnote I gave you, uh, I just, just took Dr. Vlach's comparisons here. He fleshes all these out, so you, can, you don't have to write them all down. Um, the, this imagery, uh, river imagery in Ch- Genesis 2.10, it talks about a river flowed out of Eden, the water became a garden. And then, and then in Revelation chapter 22, verse 2, you see in the middle of the street, there the city, there's either side of the river, the tree of life. And that's the next one, this tree of life present in the garden, Genesis 2.9, tree of life pre- present at Revelation, Revelation 22.2. We see that in the garden that it was created for mankind to rule, um, to, to, to exert dominion. Revela- uh, sorry, Genesis 2, 9. Um, nope, that's not right. Uh, rule of mankind, 128. That's right. So, and God blessed them and God said, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the earth, fish of the sea, and fish of the earth, that would make no sense. And the birds, uh, over the birds of the heaven on every living thing that moves in the earth. And then you look over to Revelation chapter 22, verse 5. Um, and, oh, no, that's not the right reference. Where am I? Uh, da, 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 da. I wrote down the wrong reference. But we see that the, the, the rule of mankind is fully exercised in Revelation of that. We see that there's a con- there are some contrasts, too. We see that, that Satan uh, being present and coming into the garden in 3.1, but we see Satan excluded from the new creation in 20, verse 10. We see a contrast where out of the, from, the, from the garden, the development of the nations, there's conflict of the nations, where in, in Revelation 21, there's, there's, we see the nations at peace. And so what's the point? Why am I drawing this contrast? Is that t- two things here. First of all, we see that God's original creation was good. The way that God was glorified, the way that God created mankind to experience the glory of God was God's presence with God in his creation. And so when, when John, we see Peter, and I think Paul picks it up without the same terms, Paul and Peter, and then fully John describes what is this heaven with God forever and the new heavens and new earth going to be like, it's a picture of a restored Eden. The picture of heaven is a place. It is everything that Eden and his creation was meant to be. Heaven is depicted as a physical new creation. So when we think about heaven, it's just not thinking about, hey, you know what, John, we'll meet up on that cloud over there somewhere. We'll play some harps together, right? That heaven is, is 
we're going to see next week, there is, there's both continuity and discontinuity with this creation. But there's enough continuity to say that we have an understanding of what heaven's going to be like because it is a creation. It is a new creation made new, but it is still this earth is creation, right? So that the, the aspect of, of understanding that, uh, of what that experience will be, that there is some, some continuity because it's everything that Eden and everything that this creation was meant to be, that is what, what uh, the, 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 that is the physical description of heaven, of the new heavens and new earth. And so, <clears throat> um, questions? And then, then I want to make a couple points from this. Questions, thoughts, comments? I just heard one thing this week that was interesting in a lot of the political talk that I think it was on Friday, Michael Bloomberg came out and said, I've earned my place in heaven mm. with all the good things that I've done. Yeah. <laughs> I said that. Well, it, how do we get yeah. so far off track? Yeah. Well, I, I do think that you. Yeah. Again, that's why I'm fascinated by I'm, I was fascinated by that show because of wrestling with those ideas, yeah. and and you start to ask, they they ask the questions that I I often ask, and usually you know sometimes don't really get good responses of that idea of well how how much is how much do you have to do to earn it, yeah. and whose standard defines earning it, and and looking at some of those things, but. Yes. Kind of inferring that when you die, you might go there. No, I think that there is, there is a, a and, and that's why we separated the aspect of intermediate state and final state um, and, and, and asked Elias to cover those earlier. I think you can cover them together, but I think it can get kind of blended, and so that's why I wanted to separate them. I think that there is less described. I think that what we know of now is that when you die, you be with the Lord. That there, and, and, and it seems... There's, there's less evidence, but there is, there's evidence, it seems, that it, it's talking about not just a state of mind or state of being, but it seems like that there's some aspect, because Jesus in his physically resurrected body is in this place, so, right? So when you say a state of mind and a state of being, that makes me think of someone who is on drugs. Yeah. That's why it, it doesn't work for me. I've yeah. Seen so many people like that, and I, yeah, they were having fun for a, a little while. Yeah, I think the idea of spiritual and not physical. Is, is what the, the would be, but but I would say that as much as there there is a as much as there is a dearth and, and, and limited evidence on the intermediate state of knowing we're with the Lord, but there's not a lot of details. That's what's important. There is actually fully fleshed out in, in in a very detailed description of what is it what is it like to be with the Lord for eternity, and it, 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 it what it looks like is first of all the primary is it is with the lord and it, what it looks like is a new creation everything that this earth and this universe was created to be is is there and and in its perfection and it's enjoying god and glorifying god not just in just some spiritual sitting in choir practice way but enjoying god both through worship of yes um, standing before God in the throne room, but also enjoying God and worshiping through, as we're going to see, worshiping through enjoying his creation, worshiping through eating and drinking, worshiping through work, which, which is going to be, it's just a, it, this concept, that, that, that concept. But it, it is, huh? Yeah, and, and which is, which is, but, yeah. As we're going to see that, that a lot of the questions that we have about heaven, that, that the Bible actually doesn't always answer all those questions. But the Bible gives us the foundations of when we think about that the, that the, the two most kind of foundational aspects of heaven is that heaven is, is first and foremost about a person. It's about the presence of God, 
right? That when we think about heaven, as, as John Piper said, heaven is not a place full of mirrors, right? It's not about us. It's about um, the, the God and his glory. Um, and, and, but then also heaven is, is not just a state of, of spiritually just, just beholding God, but of physically beholding God in all of his glory as, in his, as creator, most realized, fully realized in the new creation. And so the focus of, of us as Christians is not just the spiritual bliss. And actually, I, I love, I think it was uh, Anthony Hockema. He said that if, 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 our focus is, if our focus ends up to be where the biblical focus is, right? Of, of the focus of, as Peter says, what are we waiting and hope for? For the new heavens, the new earth. It's actually, it's interesting. He's saying that, that a lot, you know, I think he's a, a, a more of an amillennial guy. And, and so his focus is on the, you know, he says in amill circles, he says the focus is a lot about the, the, the rule of God right now in the church. And, 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 and there's not as much focus that he sees in his, his circles on the new heavens, new earth. He says in dispensational circles, everyone talks about the millennium, but not a lot of people talk about the new heavens, new earth. It's like if we start focusing where the Bible focuses on our hope, as Peter says, on the new heavens, new earth, we're going to find more that we agree on as Christians to disagree on. Because that's, that's the focus, right? It's a description of, of heaven. Um, and so, but the, the new creation is this new creation where God's glory is seen and experienced and worshiped through his presence in his new creation. And, and it's with that, when we have those foundations, and then we start to ask the questions of, what is heaven like? And are, you know, w- you know, what do we do? And what, what, you know, what do we recognize people? And, you know, what, what, are, what, you know, do you eat? Do you drink? Do you, what do you do with your time? It, it, it builds out of these descriptions, right? It, it's not just, it's, it, it's, it's layered with those foundations where um, there's some things that, that are said and some things that are not said, but it all kind of comes from that, that central foundation of, of this, aspects of, of this continuity of, of we understand of, of, of God as creator and seeing that all that, that God is, um, all that this creation was meant to be is, is fulfilled in the new creation. So, uh, final questions, thoughts, comments? Yeah, Ron. How do you deal with verse 28 in Genesis 2 where uh, you'll go forth and uh, be fruitful and multiply mm-hmm. and basically the one, one twenty one one twenty eight. Genesis uh, I'm sorry, Genesis 1. Yeah. 28. Yeah. And uh, it makes a distinction between man and woman. Mm-hmm. Okay, and go forth and multiply. Mm-hmm. How does that relate into heaven? Yeah, I think it's interesting. What you see is there is an aspect of, um, you know, the verbs there, yeah, uh, to, to be fruitful and multiply, and, and, and then this aspect of, of dominion, right, of ruling, of of. That, that mankind was meant to exercise dominion and rule as, 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 as vice regents of God over his creation, which we see then what we were meant to rule over then is broken by the curse. What is the curse, that, that's the first curse? The first curse is that that which we were meant to rule over is then cursed, so what we were meant to rule over is bringing frustration. And so what we see is that with the removal of the curse and, 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 and the reinstitution, we see actually... Um, this this image, and I didn't write the right verse down, but this image, and we'll look at it next week, of, of, of the saints exercising rule with Christ. So, so what is it, part of it, what we're doing in the new heavens? Well, part of it is described as exercising dominion over the, over the new heavens and new earth. Everything that Adam and Eve was meant to do 
but we're, we're ne- never fulfilled. I think that there's aspects of what we still try to do today is, is still part of that, that creation mandate, but we do it in the face of the fall and in the face of the curse, and so it's never perfect, and so it's frustrating. But I think that, 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 that that's going to be fulfilled in heaven. And so this aspect of, of, of when, when, I mean, Christ talks about those saints ruling with him. It's, it's, it's well, who do we rule over? 22.5? Yeah. You know, this, that a rule and reign and dominion, it's all in the same semantic domain. And so you look at that, and, well, who are you ruling over? Because everyone there is saints, Everyone that's not is in the lake of fire. And so what, what, it's, it's this picture of Genesis 128 fulfilled, of, of ruling over and, and having dominion over his creation. Um, and I think that there's some, what does that mean to have dominion? And it's been flushed out. And I think that there's, and, and that term is used. And I think it's, it is a aspect of, um, I think there's aspects of ruling and reign, reigning through, through you know, cultivating and, and through work and through, and I, I would even say through aspects of, of exploration and others. I think that there's a lot that, that's there, but I think that, um, is that that term is used in different ways. But I, I would say that there's, that's fully fleshed out in heaven and that, that rule that Adam and Eve are meant to have, the rule that, that we try to exercise now, but we're frustrated because of the curse is, is actually fully ex- experienced in heaven. So I think the idea of be fruitful and multiply sense has been carried out the idea is be fruitful and multiply so that you can rule the earth and we we essentially have done that and there will be enough people to rule and reign over the earth i don't know if that was part of your question as well Mm -hmm. Um, but that that's a kind of a question that i have is like how's that what's my relationship with my wife going to be in heaven you know Mm -hmm. um and uh, I have some thoughts on that. But, uh, Jesus, Jesus addresses that, doesn't he, when he answers the Sadducees? Whose wife will she be in heaven? He goes, no, you got it all wrong. There's no marriage in given. By the way, we are resurrected. And number two, they're like angels in heaven. They're, they're not married or given in marriage. So yeah. It's a similar, yeah. but not exactly. Yeah, and I think that's what we're going to see next, next week. I'm going to start next week, and we're going to look at, um, and this is kind of it's a good place to stop. We're going to look that, 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 there's a con- there's images of continuity and discontinuity between this creation and the new creation, and I think that most want to to take it one way or the other, but I think the Bible describes both, and so I think that that makes it difficult for us because it's not clear. We want more details, but we're going to see that that when the Bible describes that, what is the new creation like? Well, Peter says it's there's a discontinuity that everything that is now is dissolved. Romans 8 would seem to say that there's a continuity, that it's this creation that's longing to be, um, to experience this redemption. Whoa, it seems like that they're in contrast, but, but there's in some way that there's this picture of there's both continuity and discontinuity when we look towards the new heavens and the new earth. And so I think that there's aspects of, I think Genesis 120 is probably in that realm, where that there is a continuity of purpose, Right, this continuity of purpose of ruling over God's creation for the glory of God under His uh, is, is His His you know is His, his vice regents is His rulers, um, but there's a discontinuity in that. There's a ma- the manner of doing that is not through procreation, as Jesus says. There's no given in, in marriage. So so as we see that there's a continuity and discontinuity, um, and, and it's and it's not either or. It's really a both and that's being described by by Scripture. So we'll we'll start there though next week. So yeah, that. Physicalness of, of Adam and Eve. Mm-hmm. It's it's they're supposed to be fruitful in 
in their minds and their hearts towards faith in God. Because this is, yeah. this is the same section in which he's telling them about the foods that they can eat. And then when you go over to the tree, uh, he tells them that they won't eat of the, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And that's what makes them unfruitful. Yeah, it, by the law. it's difficult because you have that same... It's, it's, it's this be fruitful and multiply. You, it's difficult because you have that multiplication language used of animals, right? Just previously. And so I, I, I would say, I think maybe there's some of that there, but I think in the immediate context, I think that the clearest immediate context of, of, of what is he talking about with Adam and Eve? Well, when we talked about this birds of the earth multiplying, you know, um, and, and filling, you know, and the, 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 the animals multiplying and filling, I think, I think, the, the clear image is procreation. He gives the same command to Noah in Genesis nine one. Also, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Yeah, I, I think that there's 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 aspects, but I, I think that there's something I would agree and disagree with you. I, I would I would disagree in the sense I think that there's not to the exclusion of a, it's not to the exclusion of of physical procreation because I think that's it's just clearly in the context there. But I do would say that there is a broader theme that's pictured. And, and I think that um, – I can't remember who did the work, so I, I, I can't credit him. But this idea of you look at this, the, the covenants that God's making you know, the, the, this, and the commands of those covenants and you look at, at, at Adam and then you look at Noah and then you look at, at um, Sinai and you look at, at David and you look at the new covenant. You see this consistent theme right, of, of, God, um, uh, um, um, of God setting apart those as, as kind of his priest kings. I'm trying to remember. It is G.K. Beale who is doing that work, and so I. So there, there is a, a, a. There's something bigger that's going on because there's a pattern that's picked up that is bigger than just physical procreation. So I would agree there, but I would say it's it's definitely not less than that. I think there's more than that, but I think it's not less than that though. Yeah. I think he makes a good point because he does, just like you were saying because he doesn't say just go out and multiply. Yeah. He says be fruitful. Yeah. Multiply. Yeah. And. But with Noah, this is a second. Now he's done. Here he's got Adam and Eve. Uh-huh. He's saying be fruitful. They're supposed to be living in the faith, trusting in the word of what God has said, and not trusting that they'll be able to be like God. Yeah. Where Noah just comes through the flood, and so he's starting again at the same place. Be fruitful, multiply. But hey, you're to live by faith, Noah, not by the works that uh, your own righteousness and things like that. Not by some laws that are given. It's it's being fruitful in that because that's that's where our fruitfulness comes from yeah and again i'd say i think i think you can start to see i think there's more there but i would say i I would say that the immediate context would would is is primarily at first you have to say just the way that language used in language and context and and comparative just with right we would say how what does this mean the first place we look is within the verse within the chapter and and its immediate context It's, it's clearly it's got to be. It's got to start with procreation. But then, what does that? What does that look like? And how that's done? And what is the perp? What is the purpose for that is being done? I think that there's a broad. There's broader themes that's developed all the way that's developed through. That I think that's there too. So, yeah. All right. Let me pray for us, and then we gotta. We're gonna get into service here. Father, we just thank you. And we thank you. We recognize that as we talk about being with you, and we talk about the new creation, the new heavens, the new earth. We recognize again that. That the assurance of that and the promise of that and the hope of that is all because of your grace. And so we, we, we would rejoice and praise you for your grace. And Lord, we would help us to, to place our hope there and our hope in you and our joy there, Lord. And we know that that, that hope will not disappoint. And we give you thanks and praise in Jesus' name.